Okay, let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We will get there in a moment. I'm going to start in 1 Peter chapter 5. If you have a handout, that verse is listed there as the key verse for the lesson. So we're in this series called What's Next? And we've been going through a lot of different uh, lessons. This lesson is actually divided into three different lessons. So it's uh, Beware of Your Enemy. So I've got three parts of this. Today is Beware of Your Enemy, the Devil. And then next week and the week after, we'll see two more enemies. But this one is Beware of Your Enemy, the Devil. And then we will see more as we go along. Let's pray and get started. Father, again, we thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. Thank you for your word. There's a lot to cover this morning, and I I know that we are just trying to scratch the surface on some of these topics, but hopefully it will inspire people to get into your word and dig a little deeper. And I just pray that you'd glorify yourself through what we're discussing today, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so our goal for our lesson is to uh, realize that we have real spiritual enemies, and we should find and we can find some ways to have victory over them. If uh, in military situations, our, our military soldiers, especially their leaders, are trained to study learn and know their enemies. They, they study their tactics, their natures, their characteristics, and, and uh, how they operate. And they do so so that when they go to battle, they can avoid being defeated by the enemy. And we as Christians, according to Ephesians, says that we are in a spiritual battle ourselves. So it's not a physical battle necessarily. It's a spiritual battle And we have to also beware of our enemies. And I think if we take a a little bit of time over the next couple weeks and look at what we're up against to be reminded, for if you've been in church for a while, most of this is not going to be anything new. If you're new to church or new to our church, maybe this will be uh, foundational. But either way, these truths are very helpful and we can be equipped to better fend off the enemy. And so whether you realize it or not, you are in a spiritual battle, and you do have enemies. And if you're saved, the Lord loves you and cares for you, but there are three enemies that are definitely out to stop you from walking with the Lord and to make you feel terrible and horrible and ruin your life. And we need to have victory over them. So our our three main enemies are the devil, your flesh, and then this wicked world. So we'll begin looking at the devil because he's probably the most obvious of our enemies. And according to our outline, I'll try to give you the blanks to fill in here if you have it. Uh, First of all, we'll see his true identity, his true identity. The devil has uh, been clever enough to disguise himself and his true nature from most people around. Uh, in Second Corinthians, as I told you to get there, we're going to look there in Second Corinthians chapter 11, 
verse 13 through 15, says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. So he's talking about false teachers. And now we're going to find out something about the devil. Uh, also, it says, and no marvel. So we shouldn't be surprised that there are false teachers who, who transform themselves. They, they pretend to be, they seem like, they act like nice guys. And we shouldn't be surprised that they do that because it says no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. So taking those verses, it's not surprising that there are churches around the globe with people standing up in front of them, supposedly being apostles of Christ, and really are teaching untruths. They're twisting God's word and making it say things it doesn't mean, and leading people down a wrong path. That is very true because that's what God's word says. And so we have to be careful. That's why, um, as we heard Thursday night, if you were here, if you weren't, I hope, hope you'll be faithful to Thursday night services. <laughs> Go back and listen to it. Our pastor talked about uh, being like a Berean and getting into the Word of God and studying, make suring, make, making sure that what you're hearing from the Bible really is true. So, uh, I think a lot of people in the world understand the concept of good and evil, but they're a little uh, misdirected. Because what's good and evil basically comes down to, well, what's good to me is good and what's bad to me is bad. Well, we're not the, you know, the deciding factor. God is, okay? And our, our nation is filled with examples where people think something that's bad is actually good. In fact, there's even that expression. People say, man, that is wicked good. Well, how can something that is good be wicked? So we muddy the waters even with our, 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 our foolish sayings. Um, abortion is no longer considered murder. Now it's just pro-choice. No, it's murder. It's murder. It's sin. It's wickedness. We, we have uh, homosexual is no longer an abomination like God calls it. Now it's just an, an acceptable alternative lifestyle. No, it's not an acceptable alternative lifestyle. It's something that God extremely hates. So Satan's been very successful in blinding the multitudes in our world. Uh, and so to, to his true nature and what he's up to and what he's trying to do and he's attacking our souls and people are familiar maybe with his name but not much more than that. And so we can't remain ignorant of him. And the Bible has uh, many descriptive names for him. I'll just run through here without looking at all the verses. You can look them up on your own. Um, in 1 John 3.12, he's called the wicked one. That word wicked means evil and hurtful. And really, that's what he's out to do, is out to hurt people. He's not out to help people. Um, in Revelation 9.11, uh, he's called a bad in, in Apollyon, which means a destroyer. He's out to destroy. He's not out to help and to heal and to cause um, good things to happen. In 
Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, it says, And the great dragon, so there's several names here. The great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out, out of heaven, into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So he's called the great dragon. He's called the old serpent, referring to the serpent in the Garden of Eden. He's sly. He's subtle. He's sneaky. Uh, he's called the devil, which means false accuser or slanderer. All right, so if you're called a slanderer and a false accuser, that's not a good description. Okay, this is what he does. He, he slanders God to us, tells us how mean God is and how unfair he is. He slanders uh, anything good and righteous he's, uh, to us. He's just a, a horrible creature. He's not out to do any good for any of us. He's called Satan in that verse also, which means our, that he's our adversary. In Matthew 4, 3 and 1 Thessalonians 3, 5, he's called uh, the tempter. He's very active in tempting people to sin and to go opposite of what God says. And so you've got parents who are trying to teach their kids how to, how, how to walk with God and how to follow God, teach us what God says. And the devil's out there with all sorts of temptations, luring them astray, trying to ruin their lives. And then you've got young people who are, are you know, why are you so restrictive to me, talking back to their parents? Well, because they love you and they're trying to protect you. And if you're foolish enough to listen to the devil and to yield to his temptations... You're going to get hurt. But it's not just children, is it? It's adults. We're all tempted and the devil's there. That's what he does. So he's a real foe with a real plan. We've got to be aware of that. He wants to deceive the world and and destroy whatever he can that's good. Secondly, we will see his origin. Again, if you're uh, new to uh, really getting into the Bible and studying... Maybe this would be a little helpful to you, a reminder to most of the rest of us. But the devil, he's not a myth. He's not uh, some little guy, you know, sitting on your shoulder in a red suit, running around with a pitchfork and a, and a pointed tail. He's not a cartoon character. He's real. He's hideous. Now, he didn't start out that way. Originally, his name was Lucifer, uh, which means morning star. Now, most of us would... You know, we cringe at the name Lucifer, but Lucifer actually had a good meaning. The name had a good meaning. It mean, meant morning star, a nice bright thing, you know. Uh, now, that doesn't mean we should all probably all go and name our, our next uh, son uh, Lucifer. Uh, you say, well, it's a nice name, but it has a really bad connotation because of what he became. All right, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. I'm not out there lobbying that this should be the next uh, name of choice here. But uh, it says in Isaiah fourteen twelve t- talks about this. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? Right? There's just some names you don't want to be called. I, I, I wouldn't want to be called Lucifer. I wouldn't want to be called Judas. I wouldn't want to be uh, called Benedict. Right? As in Benedict Arnold. There's just some names you just don't want. Uh, but the devil had an extremely high position in heaven before he fell. All right, he was 
the anointed cherub, the Bible calls him, in uh, Ezekiel 28, verses 14 and 15. Thou art uh, the anointed cherub that covereth. All right, and he and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God, and continues as thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in, in thee. So he was created as a perfect being. He was actually, if you read that passage, he was created as a musical uh, being. He had musical uh, capabilities fit into him. Uh, and so he could, it, he, he was the covering cherub. He covered the throne. He, he got so close to the presence of God, he, he got lifted up with pride and thought, well, I could be God too. I can be like the Most High. But by the way, as a side note, all of his, his he, he, uh, he still has ability to make uh, incredible music. But now he doesn't use it for the Lord's glory. He uses it for himself and to appeal to our flesh. He's a, he, he's a, he's a corrupt being. So he still has skills. He still has power. And so you say, but there's some music out there in the world that's really catchy. It's really, wow. Yeah, because the devil's really powerful and he's really clever and he's really crafty and, he, and he's, he's really good at what he does. You say, but that's just, I, I like it. Yeah. People who kill people like doing it. People who get drunk like doing that. People who commit adultery and fornication like to do that too. But does that mean you should be just giving in to the flesh? Absolutely not. Be aware of the devil. He is real and he's out to attack us. And these fleshly lusts war against our soul. So, Lucifer was a perfect angel. But he had a free will, just like we do, and he chose to sin. And he had aspirations to take over heaven. And we find that in Isaiah 14, 13 through 15. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the south of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit, God said. So he was pretty stuck on himself. You could see all the way through there. I, I, I. And he's rebellious and proud. And that's what he likes to create in the hearts of people. And unfortunately, we see it a lot of times in young people. They just want to rise up against authority. Well, where did that come from? It comes from the devil. That idea, that pride, wanting to rise up against authority. I know better. I'm, I'm better. My opinion's better. I don't have to listen to you. You can ignore your authorities and the truth to your own demise if you would like to. But don't say you weren't warned. Growing up in Fairhaven Baptist Church, you've been warned. And you should do something with what you're hearing. Or you will rue the day. So, he was a beautiful, powerful being. Thought he had a chance to dethrone God. Now, he was persuasive enough to be able to uh, deceive and convince a, a third of the angel to follow him. And yet he and the rebellious angels were judged and cast out of heaven. We already read Revelation twelve nine, and it, you know at the end it says you know the devil and Satan uh, and his angels were cast out with him. 
So that's his origin. He had a good beginning, but he chose to go contrary. So now we see uh, number three in our outline, his current dwelling. Where is the devil today? You know, a lot of people say, well, obviously he's in hell. Well, obviously not, because the Bible doesn't say that he's in hell. The Bible tells us where he is. Uh, He and many of his fallen angels, we know some of his fallen angels are reserved in chains unto the day of judgment. We know that from other scriptures. But he and some of his fallen angels, which are also known as demons, roam the earth. They're very much alive, very real, and on planet earth. Job, chapter 1, verse 7, records a conversation between God and the devil. And we hear it in this passage. It says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? I mean, from where did you come from? You know, when he comes up to the Lord. And he already knew, but he just wanted to hear the devil's response. And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Even the devil had told us through Scripture, God recording his conversation, I'm walking up and down the earth. I'm going wherever I want to go, doing whatever I want to do. But it doesn't stop there. We're also told what he's doing in 1 Peter 5, 8, which we read to begin with. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, at least I was going to read it, I don't know if I did or not, but I am now. Uh, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That's what he's doing. He's walking about, but he's on a mission. Not to help and bless anybody, but to deceive people and to destroy people and to devour them. His primary goal is to oppose God and uh, all that follow him. And he's desperate to keep Christians from living for Christ. And he's desperate to keep the lost from receiving the Lord as their Savior because he wants them, the rest of the world, to experience his doom because that's how he's going to in his mind, get God the most. I'll make people die and go to the place where I'm going to be going one day. And God loved everybody, and I want to foil that as much as possible. So we see his current dwelling, and of course, what he's up to there. Then fourthly, we see his desire. A uh, couple thoughts here. First one is this. He wants to get an advantage over you. Now, we would naturally assume, oh, he's bigger than me. He's more powerful than me. He's got more experience than me. So he obviously has the advantage. Actually, no. He doesn't necessarily have the advantage over us. Um, we're told in Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, Paul said to the Corinthians, he warned them, lest, told them what not to do, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we're not ignorant of his devices. So he seeks to get an advantage, meaning that primarily, unless we've done something to allow it, he doesn't have that advantage. And the reason is, is because we have, if you're saved, you have God with you. Right? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So who's in the world? The devil and his demons. So if I've got the Lord with me, and he's greater than them, 
Don't have to fear, right? But it's pretty good if I'm sticking with the Lord. If I'm straying from the Lord, all we like sheep have gone astray. If I'm straying from the Lord, I can make myself more vulnerable to the devil's attacks. And so we've got to uh, realize that we have the advantage, but he seeks to take that away. And how does he do that? By bringing out his weapons of temptation, right? I read a story about a uh, two teenagers that got in a fight on a basketball court. And so one got whooped up on, so he went home and got a gun, came back and shot the other one. He was beat up, so he said, I'm going to go get the advantage. He got the advantage. He just got a bigger weapon, right? And so the devil will use his weapons against us, those weapons of temptation. But what does that mean we need to do? We need to go and get a bigger weapon. And we've got one. And so that's where we get to our next point. The devil wants, uh, he wants you to lay down your weapons. And a couple of them, first one is this, it's, it's the word of God, it's called the sword. And you can look it up in Ephesians six seventeen and Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The, the word of God is likened unto, it's called a sword. And that, this sword, the Bible, fends off the attacks of the devil. That's why it's really important to read it. That's why it's important to get up and get into it in the morning and, and take time with the Lord. As I mentioned before, that's why I, before I go to bed, I like to read it again and spend time with the Lord. I need to, to uh, follow God's word and, and, and be cleansed and be helped and be encouraged. And the devil will attack our minds unbelievably. He'll put all sorts of thoughts in there, doubts, and there's, there's so much worldly devilish, sensual philosophy out there in the world. You, you read it, you see it, you hear it, and we get tainted, and we have to be careful not to be pulled down. And so we've got to be built back up. We, be, we need to be able to fend off these attacks with the Word of God. And so the devil knows that God's Word has conquered many people, right? <laughs> or conquered him many times. And so we need to make sure we keep it in our hands. That's why the devil likes to keep people from reading the Bible. He wants to keep people from coming to church. Because if he can do that, the sword of the Lord will will not be able to protect them as they need it. So the devil wants you to stay up late. So you don't get up early to read your Bible. He wants you to clutter your mornings and your schedules so that you don't have time for the Word of God. He wants to fill your weekends with activities, right? I mean, growing up, when I was growing up, a lot of stores weren't open on Sundays. You didn't have any high school or children's sporting events. Now, so many of them are just scheduled on Sunday. It's all, you know, Sunday. What? And what does that effectively do? Keeps a lot of people out of church. Well, that's not God's plan. But we know whose plan that is because there is a real devil out to stop and hinder a lot of uh, what God's trying to get accomplished. But we have another weapon, and that's called prayer. 
And we need to make sure we take the time and spend with the Lord. Peter failed to use this weapon. Remember the night that Jesus was betrayed? And Jesus said, you know, hey, watch and pray with me, right? And he didn't. And because he didn't, he fell into temptation himself. Had he prayed as he should have, he would have been equipped. Uh, Jesus said there in Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray. Why? That ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so if the devil can get us to lay down our weapons, prayer, the word of God, we're vulnerable. Let me ask you this then. That's nice to talk about this theoretically. This past week, did you lay down your weapons? Meaning, were you in church every time the doors were open? Were you in your Bible every morning and taking time praying and seeking God's help every day? If not, you've laid your weapons down. You've given the devil the advantage. Not surprising then where we slip and yield to temptation, hurt ourselves and hurt other people in the process. Listen, we're all accountable to God. If you're in this room, you are, you're, you're not a uh, teenager or you know, someone who's still, you know, still in the teen class down there. You, we're all of age, accountable to God, needing to make decisions whether we're going to walk with God or not, whether we're going to yield to the devil or not. So we're, we're looking at his desire. He wants to get an advantage over you. He wants to, uh, uh, you to lay down your weapons. And then thirdly, he wants you to get addicted to sin. All right, so sin is addictive. And he uses it to control many people. You just think about it. If someone goes out and steals one time, are they typically going to stop? Absolutely not. No, they got away with it. So they're going to look for another opportunity, and they will continue to steal. A person takes drugs. They get high. Whoa, man, that was good. Are they going to stop? Typically not. How about the drunkard? He's a drunkard because he doesn't stop. The person who sneaks around uh, and is immoral before or outside of marriage. No, they liked it. They're going to stay with it. And that's why uh, we've got to be careful. And so Romans 6, 16 says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. We become the servants of whoever we yield ourselves to. When you yield yourself to sin, you become the servant of sin. The devil knows that. And he knows because he's wise, he's clever, he studies people, he's got a lot of history with us. He knows, and he watches you, and he knows what appeals to you. And he may tempt you with something he may not tempt me with because he knows what you're liable to fall to. And so he's got this custom-designed program to get you. Isn't that a blessing? That's why you need to keep, keep, your, keep your arms Don't lay down the word of God. Be in church. Read your Bible. Pray and really walk with God. Stay close to him so you can be safe through this life. This isn't just 
Oh, they're up there talking about that again. Read your Bible and pray. Go to church. Read your Bible and pray. Go to church. Yes, because this is what we need. And it works. And when you lay down your weapons, you're going to get defeated. We see it. So, quickly, we see his defeat. How do we defeat him? Obviously, I said stay close to the Lord, right? Um, He is a powerful opponent. One to be feared, but not feared more than God. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We can resist the devil. It's interesting. When it talks about temptation, the Bible always says to flee temptation. But it doesn't say to do that with the devil. It says to resist the devil and to stand against the devil. And so... um, In God's power, we can. He's stronger than us, yes, but God's stronger than him. So the key is stay close to the Lord. Now, we don't have sufficient strength in ourselves. That's why in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. None of us have the strength. It doesn't matter how long we've been saved. It doesn't matter what titles before you, you know, Deacon so-and-so, pastor so-and-so, whoever you are, none of us are strong. Our strength comes from the Lord. And if we stumble and fall, it's because we weren't close to the Lord as we should have been. So I want to consider a couple of practical things quickly now. What do we do to defeat him? First of all, close the door. And if you don't want someone in the room, close the door, right? And how do we close the door? The Bible says, neither give place to the devil. That's Ephesians 4.27. Uh, he wants to gain an entrance into your life. Uh, and so, let me just simply say this. Pursuing activities, pastimes, amusements, whatever it is, that you know are sinful. All that does is leave the door open for the devil to get you. So shut the door. Steer clear of any evil matter. And then secondly, be on guard. Don't be caught off guard by the enemy. Realize he's out there. Maybe this is a a reminder to someone here that, whoa, I've kind of forgotten he's really out there and this is what he's trying to do. He's real. And if a soldier is careless, it can be deadly in the day of battle. So be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Then uh, thirdly, suit up, right? Wearing... The armor of God gives us invincible protection. We had a whole series of sermons not too long ago uh, about wearing the armor of God. And so you can read Ephesians chapter 6, and that talks about that. In verse 13 it says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, not just part of it, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And that, that armor consists of telling the truth, being righteous, spreading the gospel, having faith, uh, being assured of your salvation, reading the word of God and praying, all that. So stick with the armor of God. Then last part is fight back. We're told in 1 Peter 5, 9, James 4, 7, to resist the devil. That means to go against him. Stand against him, we're told also in another part of scripture. You know what that means? When the devil comes and tempts you, you just say, no. You know, temptation is not this thing, oh, oh, why did you sin? Well, I was tempted, I had to do it. No, you didn't have to do it, you decided to do it. We're told to push back. We're told to resist. 
When you resist, you go against something. You go against someone. And this is the devil that we go against. Nobody has to yield to his attractive, and they are attractive, temptations. We can say no. Sometimes we just don't want to. So let's get our wanter in the right direction. Let's pray. Father, thank